So William Bradford, speaking to those first uh, pilgrims that landed in America, said this as part of his Thanksgiving proclamation. He says, Inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams. He included clams. And inasmuch as he protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, and had granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill, between the hours of nine and twelve in the daytime, on Thursday, November 29th, of the year of our Lord, 1623, and the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye pilgrim rock, there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for his blessings." Did you catch that wonderful list about all the ways that God provided, even the clams, and the way that God cared for his little community over the course of those first three years? So I'd, I'd be willing to bet that the, uh, the words of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to the end of the chapter, might have been part of the teaching that William Bradford offered on that day. And I want to invite you to turn there now in your pew Bibles, page 1505. And this is a teaching of Jesus. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Today has enough trouble all its own. And so often this passage of scripture is used to explain why we shouldn't worry or or why worry is bad or, or unnecessary. But as we look into it today, I want you to also hear how God provides for us and how he wants us to depend upon him to provide. Now this teaching that Jesus offered here came shortly after he taught the disciples to pray and gave us the words of the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that we offer each week at worship Uh, My kids offer it at night before they go to bed, and and we're actually going to say it together in just a bit. In the first half of the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. It's directed to God, his paternity, his person, his program, his purpose. And then we move on to our stuff. We ask for provision, for pardon, 
for protection and for preservation. The order's intentional. We honor God first by, uh, honor, we honor God first and then offer our personal needs. Jesus expresses uh, that this order, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. We begin in prayer by praising God, and then we make our requests known, admitting that we have needs that only God can fill. And in that prayer, we're taught to say, give us this day our daily bread. That's right. When we offer that part of the prayer, we're showing that we're depending on God one day at a time. Jesus urges, don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Don't worry about tomorrow. Within that request, give us our daily bread, is the faith knowledge that God will indeed provide. With confidence, we can make our needs known to God. Christ points to God's care of nature. The flowers, the grass, the birds, you're more valuable than them, he says. And certainly God will care for you. The Father knows our needs, and if we put him first, he'll meet every need. When we seek first the kingdom of God, then the worries that come with the relentless pace of life grow dim because we know that we can depend upon a God who gives us daily bread. Now, I wonder if you've ever uh, felt what it's like to not know where the next meal is coming from. Uh, We usually have far more than enough food for ourselves. The leftovers in the fridge are uh, a testimony to that. So this request might seem remote, but uh, in fact, I know for certain there's a turkey in the oven at my house that'll feed uh, a dozen people or so later on today. How about you? (laughs) We're a blessed people. We can have any kind of food we want. If we're hungry and we're out on the road, there's a whole host of fast food restaurants just waiting for us there. I mean, we can have burgers, dogs, Mexican, chicken, deli sandwiches, sub sandwiches, pizza, the list goes on and on. And if you choose burgers, you can have uh, McDonald's, Burger King, Portillo's, Sonic, White Castle, Wendy's. You get what I mean? All we have to do is pull off the road. But see, in our abundance, we can forget that God is the source of our provision. And that without God, we wouldn't prosper at all. He brings the sun and the rain. He causes the crops to grow. He gives us the intelligence and the ability to earn bread. But it's so easy to forget that when things are so good and life is so fast. For many years, my family and I spent time uh, during the summer serving on short-term mission teams to the Czech Republic. And uh, in a much simpler and more relaxed culture, I learned appreciation for the small miracles of life. It's amazing how when you slow the pace down, like on a seven-kilometer hike, how many different shades of green you can see. I remember prayers that were prayed, thanking God simply for getting us up in the morning and, and getting us on our way, for simple pleasures like a good weather day and the amazing beauty of a, a bad weather day. When was the last time that we were thankful for such simple gifts. We shouldn't take the ordinary blessings of life for granted. I have a friend who's a military chaplain, and he once told me about participating in an army field uh, exercise when a soldier posed a question about their field rations. Now, for those of you uh, not in the military, they call them uh, meals ready to eat, or they call them MREs for short. And I can tell you that that some of them just aren't that good. (laughs) And the man said, Chaplain, should MREs get grace or last rites? (laughs) 
And my chaplain friend responded, it's important that we're thankful for whatever God provides, even things that we might not like. So do we offer thanks regularly for our food? Like even when we're in public? Like do you pray at restaurants? I'm reminded of that Norman Rockwell painting that's so famous uh, of of, uh, uh, a meal being shared at a table by a mother and a son praying with two other uh, men at the table. When we thank uh, thank God before a meal, we're acknowledging that he has provided for our needs. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 tells us that our food is sanctified. (laughs) It's set apart when it's received with thanksgiving. It's a way that we can seek first the kingdom by giving thanks for what God provides for us. The Apostle Paul tells us, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians. So how can eating food be to God's glory? When we remember the source of our food and the capacity that we have to enjoy it. Like the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, God loves to give us the everyday things we need. And and sometimes we don't want to bother God, and so we tend to stop and pray only for the extraordinary, urgent needs of life. There's a famous author named Isaac Bashevis Singer, and he once said, I only pray when I'm in trouble, but I'm in trouble all the time. And so I pray all the time. <laughs> and all too often, we don't stop to realize that we really are in trouble. <laughs> and that daily bread that we pray for uh, comes in different forms in different times, doesn't it? It's not always the same old thing. I heard a story about two uh, women who had co-owned and operated a seaside inn, and they were getting ready for the the busy summer season and and were faced with a dilemma. They didn't have enough help in the kitchen. They desperately needed a pastry chef and a dishwasher to make the season work. And so one of the two women prayed, asking God for help. And she said, Lord, I haven't the least idea where to find help. The hotel is your business as well as our business. Please lead me to a, a dishwasher and a pastry chef. And then she went to her car. And her partner asked what was up, and she says, I don't know, but somehow God's going to show me. And she headed downtown, and she spotted two men standing at the bus stop. On an impulse, she stopped at the curb, and she said, I run a hotel on the beach and need some extra help. You men wouldn't be needing jobs, would you? And big grins appeared on their faces. Yes, ma'am, we do. We've been looking for work, but we haven't found any. We're about to try somewhere else. What can you do, the woman asked. Sam here, he's a first-rate pastry cook, and me... I'll do anything you want, even wash dishes. Climb in, the woman said. And the two men stayed the entire season and proved to be the best help they'd had that year. For that little seaside inn, a pastry chef and a dishwasher was the daily bread that they needed. Now, back in Bible times, bread uh, was a whole grain staple of life. It was baked fresh every day, and it was an essential part of life. Jesus was instructing his disciples to ask God for what they needed to live for the day. But Jesus also taught that we don't live by bread alone, but by the words of life found in the scriptures. Bread's a symbol for everything necessary for life and well-being, including food, good health, shelter, clothing, a means of income, peace, safety, friends and family. And I think the book of Proverbs uh, gives us a right perspective. It says, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches, Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. This prayer doesn't imply that we'll have all we want, but certainly that we'll have all that we need. Some people try to make their own daily bread. They figure that if they have enough money and enough stuff, they'll be happy. 
We can spend our whole life striving for material prosperity and miss what life is really about. I remember going to dinner uh, at the home of a a high school friend of mine uh, who asked his parents if they could pray for the meal that night. And, And I remember how surprised I was when the dad got angry. And he said, I earn my money. I'm the one who puts food on this table, not God. So I'm not going to do it. And it was sad to me that, that this dad didn't see the source of his provision. Food on the table is not by our own efforts. In, in Deuteronomy, we're reminded that it's God who gives you power to get wealth. All the resources at our disposal are gifts from God. Do you remember, uh, do you remember the Indiana Jones movie where they were after the Ark of the Covenant? Right? And there's that scene at the end where they're in the cave and they open the top and everybody melts. And, right? And what would they find inside? Just dust. Do you know that there were uh, three things that were reported to be in the Ark of the Covenant? The, the first one uh, was the, the stone tablets that contained the Ten Commandments. Those were there. The uh, second thing that was in the uh, Ark of the Covenant was uh, Aaron's rod, the one that budded miraculously. And the third thing was a simple pot of manna. And manna, if you remember, is, is the, the bread that God provided each morning while the Israelites were wandering for 40 years in the desert. It's interesting that during that wandering, God made the condition that the people would gather the manna and consume it only for that day. And if they actually tried to store some up so they'd have a little snack later or some extra for the next day, that it would rot. He did the same thing with quail. If they gathered more quail, except on the, the eve of the Sabbath, where they weren't supposed to go out and work, but if they tried to take more, store up more than they were supposed to have, it would rot. In Deuteronomy, we're told he did this to humble you so you would never think that it was your own strength and energy that made you prosperous. To remind us that God provides day after day. So we're supposed to be praying for daily bread. And I think we get that, but it seems to me that we're also praying for, the words go, give us this day our daily bread. It's a collective thing, isn't it? It's not just a personal thing. In the book of Acts, we see how the believers gave to each other as they had need. That they had all things in common, that no one had a need because our daily bread was showing up day after day after day. There was no room for selfishness. It's been said that bread for myself is a physical need, but bread for others is a spiritual matter. There's enough for everyone's need, but not necessarily enough for everyone's greed. Jesus said that when we offer bread to others, and, and Jesus calls it caring for the least of these, We're, in effect, doing it to him. So our daily bread is not simply about receiving, but also having eyes and ears and hearts open to those around us who need that daily bread too, because their daily bread might be you. A man once heard about a family uh, that needed food, and he began to pray, asking God to provide for those needy people. And then he paused and said, okay, okay, God, I'll do it. (laughs) I got you. We're the ones who must pass the bread to the rest of the table. We're called to be the hands and feet of Christ, to multiply his blessing to those around us. And along with that kind of generosity comes uh, the notion of contentment. Some people are never satisfied with what they have, even if God's given them more than they need. Paul says in Philippians, I've learned how to get along happily whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing and with abundance. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. 
For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. And later Paul tells Timothy, if we have food and clothing, let's be content with that. Now, back in our passage, Jesus pictures the pagans running around almost like a flock of geese, shouting, what will we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? I can just see it. Feathers flying everywhere. And all too often, our answer is dictated by those who are perceived as being hip or cool, trendy, or, or maybe Oprah. And the reality Christ is pointing to is that there's so much more to our existence than becoming obsessed with things. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, what to eat, what to drink, what to wear, will be given to you as well. Did you catch that? As well. As well as what? (laughs) In addition to having been giving everything you need, Jesus gives you the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Pleased. Don't worry about tomorrow. Stay focused on today and what the Father has planned for you today. One day while Jesus was praying, his disciples urged him to stop and have something to eat. And he replied, I have bread to eat that you don't know about. He was saying that physical nourishment is only part of what uh, give us this daily bread is talking about. People need hope along with their lunch. God's established the church to serve what no one else can cook up, the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Those who eat this bread will live forever. And we have the opportunity and the responsibility to share. Rob Bell is a pastor uh, in Michigan, and he has a video series called NUMA. They're they're wonderful little uh, teaching videos. And in one of his videos, he tells us, there are people out there who are dying for just one breath of Jesus. And you are it. When we serve this bread of life, out where we live and where we work and where we go to school, where we shop, where we find our entertainment, we make a difference that is of kingdom proportions. And whether you're the tool in the master's hand or the recipient of amazing grace, the end result is falling to your knees in thanksgiving for the daily bread that God so readily provides. So how do we as believers lean into and practice Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? How do we seek first the kingdom of God? Well, we can start with our time. Put God first in every day. This means time for prayer, time for reading the word, I love the prayer that Dan shared with us a couple weeks ago. You know, it was something like this. Lord God, it's been a good day so far. I haven't sinned. I haven't gone astray. I haven't repaid anyone with evil for evil. But I know that soon I'll be getting out of bed. Yeah. Putting God first in every day. We can put God first in every week by faithfully attending worship together with the rest of the community. There's something supernatural about coming together with those who are on the same journey as you, though in different venues and under different circumstances, but the same journey together. The journey toward Christ-likeness 
to offer your week to God and to be filled with the Spirit to go back out to be salt and light the way God has created you. We can put God first in every payday, offering back to God the first fruits of what, the God, what God has blessed you with. We've been shown the gifts that we've been given. We're, we're going to give you that chance, actually, in just a little bit <laughs> after I'm done. We can put God first in the choices that we make, making no decision that would leave God out, but moving ahead with prayer and discernment. We can seek first the kingdom by surrounding ourselves in intentionally with two or three other trusted friends who are also seeking first the kingdom. You've heard it here many times that uh, transformation is best accomplished through uh, small groups of threes or fours where you can gather intimacy and, and be honest about the stuff of your life and be in prayer together. We have wonderful resources in the bookstore for getting together into small groups and to growing together. I would encourage you to, to lean into that. So friends, my prayer for you today is that you would truly seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Find those ways which you can go to God first with the blessings and trials of your day. Put God first in your activities and relationships. Open yourself to the amazing love of a God who wants to provide you with daily bread for your mission on earth and who wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you can be daily bread to others. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. Anyone who seeks find and to him who knocks the door will be opened. And he says, which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Friends, it's an action statement. Make Christ the most important relationship in your life. And you will discover, little flock that he has given you the kingdom. Happy Thanksgiving and amen.